Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance and Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unspooled Top 3. I'm Amy Nicholson. And I am Paul Shear. And today we are going to have a different type of top three because we're going to have a conversation about really a giant piece of cinema history. We're going to be talking about the romance film as it pertains to Hindi films and not Bollywood films. We'll get into that in a little bit, but these are um, movies that really have defined a culture. I think it's a perfect time to talk about these beautiful films as Valentine's Day is coming up. And today we'll be talking to an amazing director, Smitri Mundra. She is the executive producer and creator of Netflix's reality TV series, Indian Matchmaking. Uh, She also directed uh, two episodes of Never Have I Ever. She was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Documentary Short Subject. And... She is releasing a brand new documentary called The Romantics, which is a tribute to the late Yash Chopra, who is regarded as the father of romance in Indian cinema. I'm very excited that Samichi is here because I personally feel like I have so much to learn about this genre. Sort of an expert is great. And also, I really need to ask her some questions about Indian matchmaking because I know you love having that watched show. that show, I got very obsessed. Uh, so I'm so glad that she's here. Samriti Mundra, welcome to Unspooled. So, Simriti, we have so many questions that we want to ask you about India, about the film culture there, about a country that loves romance, which I think is so perfect for the mood that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Tell us about this documentary, The Romantics, this documentary series that you have on Netflix. Yeah, so The Romantics is a four-part documentary series that is sort of a, a look at 
um, the history of Indian cinema through the lens of Yash Chopra and Aditya Chopra. They're two filmmakers who really, I think, you know, defined um, in many ways through their films, not only uh, popular Indian cinema, the way the world kind of knows it today, you know, the genre conventions and, um, you know, some of the style and the aesthetics and things like that, um, but also like through their studio that they founded, um, really changed the landscape um, of Indian cinema and the way that it was made, the way that it was projected to the world um, and, and all of that. You know, there's so many different ways and so many different avenues um, and eyes through which to see um, the history of Indian cinema. It's such a vast history. Um, but for me, I think, you know, Yes Chopra and Aditya Chopra were a great um, first look into it because they really, they made some of the most popular, recognizable, um, you know, culture shifting Hindi language films, you know, of the last five or six decades. My brother was very clear that he wanted to be a filmmaker. It was the first time I saw Western and Indian culture kind of merge together. It was very clear that there was going to be a kind of a generational shift now. I wanted to be the actor who talks about the modern Indian woman and he believed in my talent. He said, I decided after your first audition that I was going to launch. I said, how? Nobody else saw it. Only he saw it. He said, look, just stick to it and I guarantee you'll have a hit for it. I shaped the contours of our industry. What would you say if I told you we interviewed him extensively? What? Ditya Chopra is a rumor. He doesn't exist. He's very private. He hates going out. He's never been <laughs> What was his last interview? Like 20 years ago? That's a big one. And Yash Chopra and Aditya Chopra... It's not a coincidence they have the same last name, their father and son, which is another wrinkle to the story, as is yeah. the fact that for your documentary, Aditya talks to you. And I want to put this into context. Aditya mm -hmm. is one of the most successful producers of all time in, in modern Indian history, um, has not talked to a print magazine since 1995, does not show people what he looks like. He is the all-powerful talent scouting Bigfoot. Can I say that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be accurate. <laughs> How did you get him to talk to you? This whole project originated because I had, uh, after I had made my first film, my first documentary um, that I directed, uh, it's called The Suitable Girl. And it was um, an independent documentary sort of, you know, about Indian women and families and our relationship to marriage. Um, so after that film came out, I, you know, did the typical sort of tour, water bottle tour, um, meeting different producers, different production companies, things like that. And I, I had a meeting with YRF Entertainment in Los Angeles. They had sort of a U.S. outfit. Um, and when I met with them, you know, they were like, what do you want to do? We've never done documentaries before. We don't really know what that's about. But like, what do you, you know, just a very kind of general conversation. Um, so I pitched them on this idea and I said, look, you guys are sitting on some of the most valuable archive of Indian cinema history. All of these films that are so transformative and groundbreaking. I was like, just let me in that vault. Um, so they said, okay, let's do it. And, you know, uh, Aditya, you know, like I, I pitched this idea to him and he said, great, you know, sure, do what you want to do. You know, like if you need, if someone's not returning your calls, let me know, but I'm going to basically stay out of this. Um, and eventually, you know, we were in India, we were shooting all these interviews with all these big stars. And I told Aditya, you know, at that point I was like, look, we're here, you know, my whole crew is here. We're filming, you know, we might as well just film an interview with you. I was like, we don't have to use it. You know, you could just lock it in a vault, put it in your archives. You don't have to sign a release for it or anything. But I was like, we're here, you know, we might as well just do it. And initially he was like, no, I don't do that. <laughs> I'm not mm. doing that. Um, and then finally he just relented to it. They said, yeah, look, you know, like we're making this thing about your family. Just 
talk and then you can you could lock it in a vault and someone will discover it 100 years from now you know so we filmed this you know actually a series of interviews extensive interviews with him um where he talked about his whole history as a filmmaker as a producer as a studio head his father his his entire family you know and sort of all his views on the evolution of um hindi cinema um at that point you know one thing i had learned about aditya is that his achilles heel is creative integrity when something is necessary creatively and it is important creatively he will fight for it so i of course exploited that and hmm. um when i was editing the series i just started editing him into the series uh because it was clear at that point you know the the insight and the perspective he offered was unmatched you know when we had fully edited the series you know we were at you know se- several cuts in um we did a screening you know for aditya and and uday and you know his brother and some other people at the studio and that was when he first saw himself in the series <laughs> um and at, at that point i think it was pretty clear the value you know and the perspective that he brought and how important that was for him seeing that i think is what sold him on it he's like this is going to be the last interview i ever do <laughs> so <laughs> just go 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 to town i want to flag something which is I'm hearing you use the phrase Hindi cinema. I'm not yeah. hearing you use the word Bollywood. I'd mm-hmm. love to know about that. Yeah, so, you know, Bollywood is the phrase that I grew up with. It's what I used um most of my life, you know. I think I still use it occasionally as uh, the term for the Hindi film industry. Um but I think I stopped using it <laughs> after starting to make this this series because um because it's sort of framing the hindi film industry in the shadow of hollywood you know once i started learning how disfavored that term is amongst um the artists you know and filmmakers in the um hindi film industry i i stopped using it um and also i think one point that was really brought to my attention that that you know really uh resonated with me is that it's very limiting um right. you know it only is used um to reflect the hindi language film industry and as i think people are starting to understand you know hopefully this year with the success of a film for example like rrr is that indian cinema spans many many different regions and many different languages and each a uh, region and language you know of cinema whether it's malayalam cinema or tamil c- cinema or gujarati cinema punjabi cinema um in addition to hindi language cinema it's its own has its own ecosystem its own filmmakers its own stars um so using the term bollywood or or limiting that perception to just the the hindi language uh, film industry uh felt very limiting so i try to be specific in my definition now and say hindi film industry occasionally bollywood will slip past my lips <laughs> <laughs> i mean what do you make of this this year in particular and these last two years with i think this crossover of rrr and then patan which is now india's biggest box office hit of 2023 i think people are recognizing hindi cinema in a, in a different way and i feel like you mm-hmm. are is that something that you could have foreseen or is this kind of surprising to you because you you come from a family that literally started airing hindi films here in los mm-hmm. angeles like the only theater in los angeles i think there's a a lore the crossover appeal has a real allure you know and obviously as someone you know who grew up loving um hindi films and indian films um it's exciting for me when you know uh the rest of the world catches on to some of the films that were so formative in my life but the fact of the matter is 
there's, I don't know what the most recent numbers are, but there's like 1.7 billion of us around the world, right. <laughs> you know, um, one out of every seven people on this planet, you know, um, is, is Indian or South Asian. Um, so we don't really need the rest of the world to, you know, um, to fall in love with our films necessarily. Right. Just from a numbers perspective, you know, we're pretty good, you know, um, <laughs> but it is exciting. It is it is exciting when people feel the magic. You know, there is I think Hollywood has dominated global pop culture for so long that it's exciting when when one of our stories and our stars, you know, and filmmakers break through in that way. So, you know, and for me, it is, of course, a full circle, you know, moment because, like you mentioned, my father, you know, and mother, they started a theater, this is even before I was born, you know, in the 1970s in Los Angeles, um, called the Moralta Theater in Culver City. It was a single screen cinema that they leased, and it was this, the, they were the first exhibitors of Hindi language films in the U.S., or I think any Indian films in the U.S. So now, like, these worlds merging, which of course I think has a lot to do with streaming and generally globalization. Um, these two worlds merging is is a you know kind of nice full circle moment for me. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like hey we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. It's interesting because, you know, your, your documentary comes out uh, February 14th on Netflix and people... I imagine will feel like they're learning a lot. And then like me, I'm sure like Amy, like you go, oh, well, what else can I see? What what else can I dig into? And we wanted to talk to you about a couple of films that you feel like might be interesting or maybe even representative of certain um, periods of this kind yeah. of cinema, you know? And so I, I feel like this is for everybody who has watched it and wants to go deeper or, or just even hear a little bit more about what you like uh, and what we should maybe check out. Absolutely. I mean, this is like, uh, it's such a hard question to answer because there's so many films. There's so many films, but hopefully I can offer a few that will um, whet people's appetites. So for the 80s, I would say Chandani is one of my favorite Hindi films of all time. Chandani. Uh, Yash Chopra, directed by Yash Chopra. And it really, you know, as you will see, if you know, if you watch The Romantics, um, there's a whole sort of story behind that film about the way that it brought about this, the current wave of what we consider romantic films in Bollywood to be. It was made at a time where romantic films and romance and those types of films were really out of favor. And, you know, people had really, you know, were really just only going to the theater to see action films. Um, sounds familiar for us, like in, yeah. living in a Marvel age. Yeah. Um, he had a string of flops. He was sort of trying to respond to what he felt the market was demanding. And that wasn't working either. And he said, I'm just going to make a film, you know, the film that I want to make, the one that's, you know, speaks to me and is in my heart. And he made Chandani. And it was a blockbuster. I mean, it totally, t like, turned the whole 
trend in the Hindi film industry on its axis um, and started the wave of um, romantic films that then like really never stopped after that. Um, Chandani is an absolutely charming film. Uh, it stars Sri Devi, who is actually um, uh, was a huge star in South Indian cinema. Um, and I think this was one of her real big breakthroughs in um, in Hindi language cinema. Sri Devi is like, I think the best way I can describe her is she's like, Beyonce meets Lucille Ball. She's <laughs> stunningly gorgeous. She's so alluring, so charismatic, um, but also has like absolutely pitch perfect comic timing. You know, is just she's just magnetic on screen. Uh, and I think Chandani is one of the films that best draws out, you know, all of her gifts as an actress. Also, she looks incredible in the film, like every outfit, every look, every scene. She just looks absolutely incredible. I mean, her look essentially was, and not to make it, uh, bringing it back to America, but it's like this idea of like what Jennifer Aniston's haircut on Friends was. It was like this, this look revolutionized fashion in North India, right? And it just became like synonymous with her and, and it like this movie not only does fashion, but also ends this action period of time. Like this, this movie changes the whole game in a way in 1989. I hate to sound so stereotypical, but do male audiences in India embrace big romantic movies more than in your experience, male audiences here in America? Yeah, absolutely. They do. You know, the whole idea about gendering and movie genres and everything is very different. You know, in India, I think people just want to see they want to see great stories with big stars, uh, great songs, great music, you know, dance numbers. And I think, you know, Aditya like really, you know, says it best is like the audiences want to be entertained. They don't want to be confused, <laughs> you know, right. and they want to feel like they're getting their money's worth in a the theater. So, yeah, absolutely. I think like, you know, you you see like all of these movies, there's not as much. I mean, maybe this is changing now with streaming, you know, I'm not sure, but like traditionally, like when I was growing up, you know, you when you saw went to see a movie like John Lanier or any of these big films, Garin Johar's films or whatever it was in the theater, there wouldn't be like rom-coms are for women and action movies are for men. And, you know, like you would see a big cross-section. Everything, every film felt like a tentpole film. Well, I mean, from my limited experience with these films, they seem to have every element in them. Like there, you know, <laughs> you wait long enough and you're going to get another element of this. And I, and I feel like we do do a disservice, I think, to uh, genderized movies. And, yeah. you know, I was thinking about this the other day, like when I was growing up, I saw these movies that made me feel it wasn't all just superheroes. It wasn't all just action. It was comedy. It was heart. I think it's important for your development as a human being to kind of be exposed to all of this stuff. It shows you a different way of of being if you're not, if maybe if you're not accustomed to it, but that way when you genderize something, you push people away. It's like, well, that's not you. You you automatically, and I, I feel like I saw this a little bit in this past uh, couple of weeks with like 80 for Brady. It's like, oh, that's that's for women. Oh, that's for old women. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. well, hold on. Oh, wait. And, and then the audience will tell you a different story, but it is hard to get over that hump sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes these things become self-fulfilling prophecies, right? It's, it comes down to how you, who you're marketing films to. And, you know, some of it is becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where if you're just telling people that certain, you know, rom-coms are for women and action films are for men, you know, superhero movies are just for young boys. You're sort of, you know, leaving a lot on the table. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's funny that in 2009, the same year that Disney took over Marvel, they actually tried to take over Aditya's production company. They, they, they yeah. like hostily. I think they tried to take it over for like three point seven billion, but Aditya fought them off, and the company's now worth like ten billion dollars. Wow! And I love all that, which 
actually means let's talk about one of his films. What's your second pick? Okay, so my second pick, this is, if you, man, if you watch one Hindi film ever in your life, it has to be Dilwale Dilaniang De Jayenge, uh, which everyone commonly refers to as DDLJ for short. DDLJ, how do I explain the impact of this film? I mean, it's an absolute spectacle. It has everything in it. It has like, you know, it's like a youth, a young love story. It has family drama. It has, you know, probably one of the most charismatic actors, you know, who ever graced the screen anywhere in the world, which is Shah Rukh Khan. And his perfect match in Kajol, the co-lead who acted opposite him. Incredible songs, beautiful costumes, you just you cannot be bored in this movie and you cannot not smile watching this movie and get super invested in the journey of these characters. DDLJ, you know, it, that was a time that was made right after India went from like kind of a more state controlled socialist economy to an open globalizing economy. So you see that like this was one of the first films that really reflected that where you have, you know, um, a love story between a girl who's like more traditional and like, you know, um, from a more traditional Indian you know family and a guy who's from a more westernized, you know, background. And you, that, you, that whole sort of what was happening, you know, at that time in India is reflected in these two characters and in their love story. And it's interesting, too, because this is the longest running film in the history of Indian cinema. I mean, it's still being shown in uh, a cinema right now in, in Mumbai. And I, I love that I was reading a little bit about it, that at one point they wanted Tom Cruise to be in DDLJ. <laughs> Which is, uh, is that true? Is it, is it or is that just an idea like, that <laughs> um that's a rumor that probably Aditya would have to confirm or deny. Okay. Um it it does sound like a first draft idea. Okay. <laughs> you know. Um I, there's literally there's literally nobody else in the world that could have played that role besides Shahrukh Khan. I think when right. you see that movie, that's very evident. So my last pick um is from the two thousands. It's Dave Das. Um, Dave Das is sort of, this was a time where sort of the technical achievements of, of Hindi cinema were really soaring. Um, you just see a lot more like big grand, you know, um, epics, you know, big production value, like really, you know, um, high level cinematography and, you know, things like that. And this is um, one of the most famous films of a director named Sanjay Leela Bansali, who is known for this type of, you know, big sort of period piece, epic type of film. Um, Dave Das is based on a, I think it's like a 1917 Indian novel. And it's, it's kind of a tragedy. It's not as fun, I will say. It's like right. a tragic love story. Um, but it is very romantic. It's, um, you know, it's about this, uh, young man from a wealthy family, you know, who wants to marry his, childhood sweetheart and his family uh, disapproves and she ends up marrying someone else and he descends into alcoholism and meets this courtesan who falls in love with him but her love is somewhat unrequited and so it's sort of this like very tragic love triangle but it's just an absolutely stunningly shot film the sort of the production design the costuming everything is is really really gorgeous um, and it also, it's again, Shah Rukh Khan, I mean, at his prime, you know, and then it also, the, the two female leads are 
two of the biggest actresses ever in Hindi cinema, um, Madhuri Dixit and Ashwarya Rai. Ashwarya Rai at that time was um, declared the most beautiful woman alive, you know, um, in the world. And she was at the peak of her career. Uh, so it's a really, it's an incredible film. I mean, I think she doing... was the most beautiful woman alive. Like, I don't know if I know anybody who would give her competition as the most beautiful <laughs> woman alive. I remember this moment because it felt like a time that it felt like we were so close to being able to like welcome and appreciate Ashwara Rai here. Like she was on David Letterman, but when she was on David Letterman, it was so awkward. And I felt like we as a culture just sort of blew it. Like he didn't really seem like he knew yeah. who she was. He seemed very nervous that she was so beautiful. He was really strange around her. And kind of the famous meme moment of that interview with her on Letterman is he asked her if it was true that she still lived with her parents. And he was in a tone of like, that's really weird. And she was like, yeah. yeah, it's totally normal to live with your parents in India. I think it's weird that here in America, you have to make plans with your parents to see them. It was like such a weird time, that that time, in terms of like people, ha you know, just like all she could really be was like a cultural ambassador for all of, you know, all Indian people. Right. It was like, you know, she was tying the sari, her, showing Oprah how to like tie a sari. It was you know, strange. <laughs> well, I want to ask you about romance, because not only have you done the romantics, but you're talking about, you know, sparks between real people on screen. You also are a romance expert about people in real life. You're the creator, the executive producer of the reality show Indian Matchmaking. And I really want to talk to you about this because I've watched both seasons. And to me, through my lens, Seema, your Indian matchmaker, can seem really not romantic. Like she's really blunt about telling these women who come to her and they're like, I want somebody tall, handsome and smart. She's like, maybe you'll get one of the three. Settling is probably good. I mean, to my ears, maybe I've been raised as on too many rom-coms. She sounds so, so not romantic at all. Like, is it healthier <laughs> to be this pragmatic? Yeah, look, I would say, you know, from the decades now that I've known Seema, including when she was my matchmaker, Seema and others like her, you know, I think her views are reflective of, you know, a certain generation and, you know, certain point of view. I think for for her, and I've heard this, Romance is not about the lightning bolt at the beginning of a relationship, you know, necessarily. Um, romance isn't about finding that person that, like, checks all the boxes, you know, for you. Romance is is a journey, and it's about how you grow towards um, a partner, you know, and how you spend a lifetime getting to know them and unwrapping their mysteries and, um, you know, conquering the world with them, building a family with them, you know. I think for her, and I see this in her marriage, too, you know, she's got... Um, this incredible relationship with her husband who supports, you know, her work and now her global superstardom and everything in such a, a beautiful way. Um, but I think like, you know, maybe, and I'm, I was guilty of this too, like from my Western perspective, like I always only looked at romance as one thing, you know, it was like the, the like lightning bolts to the heart, you know, the fireworks and all of that, like at the beginning of a relationship. Um, but it, what, what I've heard from you know, the elders, you know, of my culture and, you know, people like Seema over the years is that there's so much romance, you know, actually that comes over the course of a lifetime, you know, building a life with somebody. And that's what she, I think, guides her or, or tries to get her clients to see is that don't just look at this, you know, like you have to look beyond this, you know, because then you have romance the rest of your life. I kind of like that. But even so, is it hard for you not to be able to give the women on your show Aparna, a person who is so clear and pointed about her own worth, Nadia, who just looks like she should be like starring in a rom-com anyways, that you can't just magically make things work out for them and give them happy endings. Believe me, as a producer, I would love that. It would be great <laughs> if I could 
if I could actually get some people married on the show. Um, but um, but look, I think I think the way that on Indian matchmaking and even through, you know, the films, you know, that are explored in the romantics, I think love and romance and marriage, it's like a litmus test, right, of where we are as like broadly as a culture. Um, and I think like what's challenging about matchmaking today is that you're dealing with a generation that has internalized a lot of those traditional ideals about marriage, um, starting with the fact that you must be married. You know, like that's something that I struggled with for a lot of my life. But they were raised with a mind towards independence to sort of seek, you know, our own path. You know, that's where some tension arises, you know, in terms of like individualism versus, you know, tradition. Um, but tension is good. Tension is good for entertainment, right? Like to see that play out within a family and with the, even sometimes within a person, um, I think is illuminating and also can be entertaining and kind of helps us sort through like where we are culturally and what we want, you know, how we want to evolve our, our culture and our, our understanding of, of uh, tradition. So I think there's many different paths to happily ever after. You know, I love when people find, you know, their life partner and they're, you know, the person that they're going to spend the rest of their life with. But, um, you know, I think we, we live in the 21st century. So there might be a different versions of happily ever after that, that they arrive at. By the way, I am blanking on his name. But at the end of the second season, I was going to kill that guy who lived, I think, <laughs> in Florida in a very tall condo who went on a date with a girl who was perfect for him. But he was like, eh, I like the more stereotypical hot girl, quote unquote, who's not into me at all. I was like, Amy, this is you. love. This is love. <laughs> this is the thing. I, every time I watch these shows, you watch people make the worst choices. They, they like you go like, why are we so stereotypical? It's like because we are. We sometimes make these choices. Like we 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 follow our own stereotypes sometimes, especially in these reality shows. By the way, I want to ask you about one more form of romance before we let you go, because I noticed that. You know, both of the first two films that we talked about, Chani and, and DDLJ, they also have these subplots in them where, you know, they're love triangle movies, but the two guys in the love triangles become friends on their own. The love triangles are already underway. They don't know necessarily that they're rivals in love, but they become really good friends for a bit in both of these movies, which I feel like adds to the drama. And it got me thinking about how RRR. It feels so special here to us in these audiences because it also has this really sincere male friendship between the two guys. Mm. You know, it's not just like two dudes trading quips. It's two dudes who are like, you are my best friend. I would do anything for you. And I feel like yeah. that's a version of romance I would love to see more in American films. Oh, yeah. Bromances are huge in India. I mean, again, I don't want to generalize too much because you know my favorite phrase about india is everything you can say about india the opposite is also true <laughs> um but but i will say like you know that that male friendship um it doesn't have the same even like subtle undercurrent of stigma you know as i think it does in like other you know maybe you could say western cultures um you know like you'll see men holding hands you know arm in arm like walking down the street you know, in India all the time, like men, male friendships are really strong. Um, those bonds are really strong in families. Um, and I think it's just, I don't know. I don't really know what it's, you know, where it, you know, like stems from, but it is very much a part of us. And I'm, I'm, you know, it's always nice to see that reflected, reflected in films. And yeah, I think it would be great if we saw that more, you know, like in, in Western cinema and cinema from other parts of the world. I love this. This is so great talking to you again, the romantics, uh, on Netflix, 
February 14th, and then forever, uh, which is great. And then also go deeper, dig deeper. I feel like this is a great time to explore. And I know that I'm now excited and I'm going to, uh, I am going to check out uh, DDLJ. I feel like this is where I'm going to, where I'm starting. Perfect place to start. Hope you enjoy it. Amy, that was a great conversation. I feel so excited to start streaming some of these movies. And did you feel like you got your answers that you needed to get about Indian matchmaking? I did. Although now that she's gone, I really wish I'd asked a follow up about how it worked when she met with the Indian matchmaker. Oh. I was sort of like, oh, don't ask her something too personal. But I'm like, oh, man, I really missed my chance. Well, she can always write in. Um, <laughs> definitely check out The Romantics on Netflix February 14th and streaming from there on forward. Uh, all right, Amy, we'll see you next week as we go back to our normally scheduled program. 